0: Well, good morning, Merry Christmas, doesn't sound very merry, (laughs) Merry Merry Christmas, yeah, good. Well, just because you responded with a Merry Christmas, we're going to give you coffee, tea and cookies in the cafe, Hey, couldn't be any better, couldn't be any better. And I uh, just want to highlight for you as well the, the New Year's Eve service. That's going to be a wonderful family time, uh, a time of extended worship, prayer, meditation from God's Word, an opportunity for you to share your testimonies, to talk about what God has been doing in your life over the last year. So I would invite you to be here next Saturday, I think it's 7 p.m., New Year's Eve service. This is Christmas Day. A day of singing Christmas carols, some sentimental feelings for many. It's a day to consider what it means for Jesus to have come 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, a child was given to us, a son given to us. And we have to ask the question do we want to serve this child that was given? Whom do we want to serve? Under whose government do we want to live? We answer that question in some way every day. If you're reading the news, the last number of weeks, last number of months, different articles, different news feeds are talking about the new world order. And so, for example, if you pull out the annual issue of The Economist for 2017, they make projections, global projections, and they talk about the ascendancy, the the coming to power of autocratic rulers, more and more autocratic in Russia, China, United States of America, Europe, that this is a trend. And smaller powers will have to realign themselves and answer the question, under which government do they want to live? In 1979, singer-composer Bob Dylan, I hope it's okay to uh, quote Bob Dylan on Christmas Day morning at Willingdon Church, but in 1979, he composed and released a Grammy Award-winning song entitled, Gotta Serve Somebody. This is the way the song begins. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might you may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you've got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And it ends with this verse. You may call me Terry. You may call me Timmy. You may call me Bobby, you may call me Zimmy, you may call me RJ, you may call me Ray, even my name. <laughs> you may call me anything, but no matter what you say, still you're going to have to serve somebody. Indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. John Lennon, former Beatle, when he heard that song for the first time, he said, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. And he composed his own lyric. you got to serve yourself. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. We live in a self-serving age, an age of self-idolatry. So many worshiping themselves. So on this Christmas day in 2016, who will we serve? We're going to read Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This most famous Christmas text. And as we read the text, we should first, or before we even read it, we should ask the question, who was Israel serving at the time? You see, the greatest power of the world, the superpower of the day, Assyria, was at the borders of the northern kingdom, ready to invade Israel, with the intent of overtaking Judah as well. Not only were there external threats to Israel and Judah, there were internal threats threats as well. You see, they lived under a corrupt regime. The nation, both nations, Israel and Judah, were corrupt, bankrupt, politically, economically, socially, and most importantly, spiritually. They had long forgotten their God. Instead of seeking God in the moment of despair, When they saw Assyria on the border of the northern kingdom, Israel, instead of seeking God and going to the temple and lying prostrate before God and crying out for mercy, they turned to other gods. They refused to recognize that God was with them, Emmanuel. Instead, they followed their own religious creations. They cursed God. They cursed their king. Their hearts were hardened to the eternal word of God. Even though God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah, inspired words, hopeful words, instead of listening to those words, they decided to consult the dead through their mediums. They lived in darkness. But God is so gracious. And in His infinite grace, He breathed out these words through the prophet Isaiah. Words of light dispelling the darkness, of joy emerging out of gloom, of the power of God delivering from oppression, of peace overcoming strife. Did Isaiah even understand what he was writing? Assyria was at the northern border. What was he thinking? Later when we read the New Testament, we get to 2 Peter And Peter writes the following, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He writes those words with reference to the prophets. The Spirit of God breathing out words of audacious hope through the prophet Isaiah. What was the reason for such hope? Well, verse 6 of Isaiah 9 starts with 4. There's a reason. Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it With justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You probably have sung these words a number of times during the Christmas season For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. But these are not words just to decorate the Christmas season. These are words that communicate to us the season of the Lord. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. Well, who is this child? It's remarkable that God's response to the oppression and hostility of the nations, to the injustices of a harsh and cruel world, his counterattack to the Assyrian army and all of the tyrants who swagger across the plains of history, is a child. His answer is a child born to us, a child born to Israel, a child born to all of humanity, a child that would reign A child that would ascend to the throne of David. He is the son of man. His answer is a son given to us. The gift of his very own son. God dwelling among the created, among us. The infinite among the finite. The all powerful among the weak. The immortal among the mortal. The perfect among sinners. God with us. God made flesh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, a child is given to Israel, and this child is not just for Israel. This child is for all people. The gift of God to sinners just like us, to break the yoke of oppression. And it's done without God being an oppressor. The ultimate act of God's generosity is a resounding message of love. You see, this son, his origin is divine, from God, is God, and Davidic, of the line of David, son of man, son of God. What's the nature of this son's reign? The government shall be upon his shoulder, the text reads. The language resembles the promises that are made to a king as he ascends to his throne, the government upon his shoulder, the symbol of government, of reigning, worn on the shoulder, responsibility resting on the shoulder of the king. You see, this child, he takes command, and as he strides across the world stage, the power of God delivers from oppression, according to verse 4. Peace where there's strife, battle clothing being burned, We read in verse 7 of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So his reign is ever expanding and it's eternal, it's forever. Let's remember the gospel story. Long before Jesus was born, God spoke to a man, Abraham, called Abraham, spoke to him and said that. He would be a channel of blessing to all nations. That all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his lineage. That he was to be a priest among the nations. Then we read in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel has formed. And God communicates to this newborn nation, you are to be a kingdom of priests among the nations. Your existence is for all nations. People, as I was speaking with the Jewish man last weekend, he came to the Christmas musical here at Willingdon Church, and as we were having conversation over dinner, he said, Ray, Torah, the law of Moses, it was not just for Israel, not just for the Jewish people, it was for all people, and it was. The law of Moses was given to Israel so that all peoples would come to know that a child would be born to us. That a son would be given. Let's remember God's promise to David, Second Samuel chapter 7. "The prophecy is received that the throne of the kingdom of David will be established forever, that it will be without end." How will that happen? Here in Isaiah chapter 9, the promised child, he extends his rule from Israel to include all nations. He brings them under the blessing of the true knowledge of God. 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah, he pens under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the words that we read in Isaiah chapter 9. In verse 7, these words of an ever-expanding, eternal reign. And then the angel Gabriel, 700 years after Isaiah, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary with these words. Luke chapter 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The reign of the child born to us will never end. His empire of grace forever expanding. Every moment better than the last for eternity. So what kind of king will this child be? Well, his name's. Reveal his character. Chapter 9, verse 6. Wonderful counselor. The names reveal the essence of who he is. His character. You see, at that time, King Ahaz was reigning in Judah. He was a corrupt king. He was an idolater. He was confused. The child born to us will be so, so different. A wonderful counsel. that word wonderful, wonderful, it means wonder-working planner. <laughs> Ahaz was foolish. This king will reign with divine wisdom. That word wonder there, it's the same word that's used for the signs given to Israel as they were leaving Egypt, fleeing Egypt, being freed from Egyptian oppression, the parting of the Red Sea, a wonder, the pillar of fire by night, a wonder, the cloud by day, a wonder. This wonderful counselor, he will be a wonder worker. He will work with divine wisdom, and not only does he work wonders, he is the wonder. He doesn't need to surround himself with gurus and analysts counselors, spiritual advisors. He is the wonderful counselor. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's (laughs) all-knowing. He's all-wise. If you ever need a counselor. His name just reveals... His healing presence, his wisdom, his discernment, his clarity, his comfort. We don't always understand the wonder of his design. I want to share a story from Amagasaki, Japan. I believe Amagasaki is a neighborhood in Osaka. Story of Hiromi and Nathan. They got married in 2009. In 2015, last year, Hiromi she became pregnant with their second child. They had been praying for another child for some time. Not long into the pregnancy, the baby was diagnosed with anencephaly, which has a fatality rate of 100%. Hiromi and Nathan were devastated. Doctors recommended that they terminate the pregnancy immediately. So they had a decision to make. Under whose government would they live? They prayed, and they believed that the Lord counseled them to keep the baby. They based their decision on James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. While the baby was still in the womb, they named the baby Joyce. Joyce meaning the joy given by the grace of God. Hiromi, she blogged her experience. Many people were reading that blog, were inspired by that blog. Most importantly, her parents and her sisters were reading that blog. And while still pregnant... While Hiromi was still carrying the baby, her parents and her sisters gave their lives to Jesus. Hiromi didn't know how long Joyce would live. Doctors had told her that the baby may die in the womb, that the baby may die at birth, or just breathe for a few hours. Joyce was born on October 5th, 2015. She lived for 15 hours. Hiromi Writes, those hours were a very special gift from God. One month later, the family had a celebration of life service for Joyce in their church. On the same day, Hiromi's sister was baptized. Just before Christmas of last year, Hiromi's mother and father and younger sister were all baptized. Baptized. Confessing their faith in the wonderful counselor, the wonder-working planner. Confessing their faith in the one whose light dispels the darkness, the one whose joy removes, replaces the gloom, The kingdom of the child born to us, ever expanding. He is the wonderful counselor. And not only the wonderful counselor, he is mighty God. That name literally means God warrior, the one who fights for us. In in Hebrew, the language, it actually echoes Emmanuel, God being with us. God had revealed himself as mighty God early on in Israel's history. Deuteronomy chapter 10, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Well, in the days of Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, Israel and Judah had long forgotten this God. They were looking to foreign powers to ensure themselves of strength, of security, of survival. They chose to live under other governments, But when the child is born 700 years later, the angel says to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ The Lord. And when Jesus begins his ministry, he announces the inbreaking of his reign, the inbreaking of his kingdom, and demons are expelled, prayers are answered, storms are calmed, broken people are restored. And then through his death and resurrection, He conquers sin, evil, and death. He is exalted to the Father's right hand, and He reigns forevermore. And as John the Apostle writes, He overcomes the world. The question for you and I this morning is, are we under this government of our Lord? Have we surrendered to Jesus, the child born to us, the Son given to us? Are we experiencing the reality of His reign? Isaiah 10 Isaiah ten talks about a faithful remnant that will uh, lean on the Lord, that will return to mighty God. Are we among those that lean on the Lord? He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is also everlasting Father. And you might ask, well, why would Jesus be referred to as Father? Isn't the Father another member of? Of the Trinity. Well, the language, again, it comes from the Middle East in the 8th century, where the king would be looked upon as a loving father, a kind benefactor, one that would actually act on behalf of the people. And Jesus is this kind of father a father that shows compassion to his people. The king described in 9 verse 6 is not just good. He is eternal. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He has all of history in his hands. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd king, he eternally guards his people. He cares for his people as a good father. Psalm 103 describes him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Hallelujah. The Lord knows our weakness, our frailty. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. He is looking at the crowds and he sees them as harassed and helpless without a shepherd. And he feels compassion. That word compassion in Matthew chapter 9, it literally means that it twisted his gut. And so as the Lord, the Everlasting Father, looks at us today, he feels compassion. Not only is he wonderful counselor and mighty God and Everlasting Father, he is Prince of Peace. That word prince, it communicates the idea of an army commander that is conquering Territory, as the kingdom of the child expands, the extension of peace increases. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. How does that happen? Throughout history, in our day, tyrants and dictators, they establish their reign through war, through tyranny, through oppression, by dominating under others. The reign of the Assyrians was like that. That's why Israel and Judah were so afraid. They were famous for their tyranny, for their cruelty. The reign of this prince of peace, however, is established on on justice. The reign of this child king, it's founded on righteousness. It's made sure by peace. How is that possible? How is this kingdom extended peace. You see, the prince of peace, he embodies peace. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he himself is our peace. He is shalom. Where he is present, he brings down the dividing walls of hostility. Where there is confusion, he brings strength. Where there is strife, as verse 5 of Isaiah 9 says, battle clothing is being burned. How do we come to experience this peace that we long for? Is it even possible in our day to experience this kind of peace that Isaiah talks about? The word for peace, of course, is shalom. It's so much more than the end to hostility. It is things being made right. <laughs> Broken pieces being put together. A sense of wholeness, a sense of well-being. Is, is that there for us in our day? The king described in verses 6 and 7, he takes the sin of the world upon himself when he goes to the cross. He satisfies the claims of God's justice through his death, pays the penalty for our rebellion and discord so that God, in perfect justice, might forgive people like us, sinners, be reconciled with us, be at peace with us, and if we surrender to his government, fill our hearts with Peace, the Prince of Peace, abiding within us, living within us. Well, what does that look like? Let me tell you another story. Easter, 2014. It marked a new chapter in the lives of Larry and Heather Newfelt. For several weeks, Heather found that her appetite was disappearing. She had no desire to eat. And at the same time, her abdomen was swelling. So they were concerned. Weeks earlier, God had awakened within Larry and Heather a new desire to understand more fully God's completed work of salvation and His healing power. I'll quote their letter. A few months later, scans and various tests led to a diagnosis of late-stage ovarian cancer. As we prayed, Jesus brought us to the image of the disciples on the water in a storm and Jesus coming to them, walking on the water. It spoke to us as a family about the dark and fearsome storm that we faced. Yet Jesus was calling us to walk on the water with him. I continue to quote, In the story, the disciples cried out in fear when Jesus first approached them. Jesus spoke to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Over and over again during the next few months in the storm of surgery and the long and difficult treatments, we heard the words of Jesus in our hearts, It is I, don't be afraid. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, speaking to them. I continue to quote, Cancer is a bully that demands to be the center of attention. Jesus was inviting us into something different. He was inviting us to make him the focus of our journey and not allow any other name to be lifted up. Larry asks, how do you stay focused on Jesus when you walk through difficult appointments with doctors, numerous treatments, ongoing pain, and repeated disappointments? Larry and Heather, they decided to share the gospel with each other. They made the commitment to ask each other the simple question every day, what is the good news of the gospel in this moment? Their responses were rooted in the reading of God's word. Their reflections on His unchanging character, His faithful promises His completed work of salvation on the cross. On one occasion, Larry and Heather, they had just been with the oncologist and they walked out of this heartbreaking appointment where the prognosis was not good at all. And again, it felt like cancer was bullying them, pushing them around. And as they drove home, Larry turned to Heather and asked her, What is the good news today? Through a storm of emotion, Heather dove into sharing God's healing promises, his good nature, his salvation work completed on the cross, and that they were overcomers in Christ. It wasn't long before their hearts were soaring in worship as they preached the good news of Jesus to one another with joy and celebration, so much so that they eventually had to pull over into a parking lot as tears of joy rolled down their faces. They were walking on water with Jesus. Today, Heather is doing well. But more importantly, they have come to know the wonderful counselor, the wonderworking planner. They have come to know in a new way the mighty God who fights for them. They have come to know the everlasting Father who loves them, the Prince of Peace who indwells them. You see, when this king, the child king, reigns in our hearts, when the government of our lives rests on his shoulder, we are at peace within. The Spirit of God active in our hearts, proclaiming the gospel of peace to us, reminding us of the truth of what it means to be in Jesus now and forever. And that peace replaces any desire to dominate our world, to control our circumstances, which is out of our control anyways, and we submit to the peace of God reigning in our hearts. You see, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the child born to us, the Prince of Peace, he triumphed over sin, evil, and death to establish his reign forevermore. And it is a reign of justice and righteousness and peace. Today, Jesus reigns in the hearts of those that have surrendered to him, that have recognized their need for a Savior and a Lord. He reigns in their hearts, and the day is coming when Jesus will reign over all things and every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. Now, if you are a son or daughter of God today, if you have yielded your heart to Jesus, then you know the truth of Jesus being a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And if you have never yielded your heart to Jesus, if you have never surrendered to his reign, you have never come under his government, I urge you, I plead with you to surrender to him today. When the King of Kings comes to establish his reign forever over all things, he will reorder all things and every knee will bow. Much better to bow today than to face judgment when Jesus returns. He invites you to come today. You see, God is passionate about this. He will accomplish this. Verse 7 ends with, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is passionately involved in the direction of history, in the affairs of human life. He desires good for all people. He is passionate about accomplishing His purposes. The final victory will be won by Him, the Lord of hosts. And He is so passionate about His purpose is being accomplished, that He sent His Son 2,000 years ago, that His kingdom might be established forevermore, and His reign will not end. You see, God is zealous for His reign, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a Son is given, and His name is Wonderful Counselor. It is Mighty God. It is Everlasting Father. It is prince of peace, and the government of all things is upon his shoulder, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And the question for you and for me this morning is, do we live under his reign? I began this message talking about a reordering in our world, a realignment The wonderful news of Jesus is that he is reigning and will reign forevermore. No matter what happens on this Christmas day of 2016, whatever happens, no matter what happens in 2017 or in the years to come, we can live under the reign of Jesus. Amen? Unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Is there an area of my life, an area in your life that you need to surrender? How do you know whether there is an area of your life that you haven't surrendered? Well, think about that area of your life where you are experiencing anxiety or worry or that causes fear. As the Lord brings that area of your life to mind, surrender it to Him. Invite Jesus to replace the darkness with light, to replace the gloom with joy, to replace the confusion with peace, to release you from whatever might be afflicting you or oppressing you in this moment. Jesus is reigning over all things this day. He has come and will come again. May you experience the reality of Jesus coming this day. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's uh, pray together for a moment. Just, I invite you to ask this question. Lord Jesus, where are you not reigning in my life today? What do I need to yield to you, surrender to you? Invite Jesus to replace the darkness with light. Invite Jesus to replace the gloom with joy. Invite Jesus into the oppressive regions of your soul. Ask for his deliverance. Invite him to replace the strife with peace. And if you haven't yielded your life to Jesus, I would ask you to listen to the prompting of the Spirit and turn from sin, turn from a life separated from Him. You have to serve someone. Why not Jesus? The way, the truth, and the life. The true God that came to save you, that loves you, Why not yield to him now and for the rest of your life? If you open your heart to Jesus, he will send his Holy Spirit to live within you. He will guide you, counsel you, lead you into truth. So, Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. We praise you. Lord, you are worthy of all praise and honor and glory this Christmas Day. In Jesus' name, Amen.